Welcome back to the Love Intently Podcast, friends. I'm Sophie Kwok, your host, and our mission is to empower thriving relationships. And this week, we have a Korean drama starring Teresa Kwan, a Korean-American from Texas who describes her life as a Korean drama, and you'll see why. In this episode, we dive into the story of how she came to meet and marry her husband. And believe me, my jaw dropped only 10 times the first time I heard this, so I'm pretty sure yours will drop a few times too. Especially if you don't know much about Asian cultures and customs and um, Asian moms, I'm Chinese, and let's just say their Asian moms did not make their love life easy. She goes deep into how they met, their super awkward first date, but somehow ended up lasting till 6 a.m., meeting the parents, them breaking up, them getting back together, all the way till when they got married. But what I love about Teresa isn't just her love story, but also her heart behind empowering other people to build thriving businesses and teams. She also shares her story and motivation behind building her online consultancy and coaching business, Daringly Great Leadership. After years in the startup world, she became aware of the toxic habits people often develop when there's so much pressure to make a profit. They lose themselves and lose touch with their families. And Teresa wanted to live in a world where she truly had work-life balance, where it's not all about profit and where teams build real bonds and not just transactional relationships. She wanted to work with others who share the same values. So she took her love of leadership development and combined it with her 25 years of working experience to coach online entrepreneurs to become transformational leaders, to build their dream teams and scale their businesses. And right now she is offering her free ultimate dream team hiring roadmap, which we will link in the show notes, or you can find on her website. So I'm just going to leave it at that because Teresa's stories are phenomenal and she is a far better teller of them than I am. So without further ado, here is our conversation. How we met. Honestly, it was completely on accident. Uh, We really had, there was probably no way for us to meet. Honestly, we had different circles. We, uh, no occupations to even cross paths. And the reason being is because I had just moved to Korea. Um, I just finished graduate school. It was after the, you know, recession and jobs were blah. And there were no, there was no endowment for my PhD. So what did I do? I hopped to Korea. Um, and I had an opportunity to work there. And as I was there having a great time doing work, And I had a friend who basically asked me to be Cyrano. And in the process, I met my husband. (laughs) So um, it was basically through an app. And, you know, I know these days, Tinder, Bumble, like what app there isn't there about meeting people. But this wasn't actually a dating app. It was more of a like, who's, it's called who's there or who's here or something. I don't even remember, but, uh, long story short, it's just like, it helps you GPS. Like, are you in the same coffee shop? Like, do you have similar interests? And I think the people who initially made it was trying to help people meet 
others to not be lonely, but maybe not as lonely as some people were using it to be. So, okay, you met on this app, and then how did that lead to a first date? To where you are now? Well, honestly, that it, it took a lot longer than just like meet on an app because to be honest, like I said, my friend was asking me to be Sereno. She had an Android and I had an iPhone. It's one of those things. And apparently this app was just for the iPhone. And she grabbed my phone, she made a profile, and she basically and she put my picture on there. And she's like, okay, you're cuter than me. And I really <laughs> want to meet these guys. So what I want you to do is I'll point out the ones that I like, and then you hit them up for a conversation, ask them for a drink, ask them if they have a friend, and we're gonna double date. And I was like, What? <laughs> you're crazy, pants. Like, I don't even like internet date. This is like not a thing. It freaks me out. And like some Korean thing, Korean social dynamics. She was older than me. And there's this whole thing of you have to do things for the people who are older than you. And so she's like, just do it. It's like, gonna be harmless. And I was like, okay, fine. And so I was being Cyrano for her. And she, you know, it was ridiculous. I would text, I would like message these guys, whatever she's telling me to message. She's like, what did they say? And then she's like, okay, send this back. And Oh my gosh, it was so crazy. And every time I opened the app, of course, there were these incoming hellos. And most uh-huh. of them were like, hey, baby, you know, like, <laughs> what you doing tonight? Uh, Want to meet up for a drink? And I'm like, delete, 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 trash, gross, yuck. And um, one of them was, I hope you had a nice day. And I thought, in the sea of like, you know, half naked pictures and like, come have a drive with me. There was this like innocuous message. So I didn't delete it. And every time I went back, I would go and see this message and I'm like, okay, well, I checked his profile and then I was like, oh, poor guy. Like he has no game and he has no idea what he's doing. Uh, So I just thought, okay, I'm going to message him back and be nice. Like I feel bad for him. So I messaged back. Thanks. I hope you had a nice day. And so that actually went on for like a couple weeks where I would check these messages and he would just have like one message that was like, hey, I hope you had time to have a nice lunch today or it's cold outside, dress warm. And I'm like, who is this person? Like, <laughs> how sweet. Yeah. So, um, but eventually I got to the point where I was like, I can't, this is ridiculous. Why am I even agreeing to do this for my friends? And I, I was like, oh my, I'm not a pushover type. I don't get it. This is disgusting. Uh, so, uh, and no offense for people who like date on apps and hook up. Like that's not, not my, no, no, thank you. I'm a good girl. So, <laughs> um, I'm like old fashioned romantic. So I let him know and mind you, I, I still didn't know his name. He never asked me my name. We just went by profile, you know, and we never, it was, there was no exchange of personal information whatsoever for these two weeks. So I just kindly let him know because every time I opened the app, we would do an exchange. I would say, hey, so I'm actually going to leave this app and it's been really nice to chat with you. It's nice to have someone who's kind and not gross. And so I just wanted to wish you luck. And he said, oh, but can we still chat? And I'm like, oh, like, no. And there's a app called Kakao Talk. And mm-hmm. it's the Korean version of WhatsApp or in line actually is Korean too. But he was like, well, can I have your Kakao Talk ID? And I thought, okay, I'll get him off my back and then I'll just block him. 
And um, that led to that led to more exchange of uh, messages. And my friends would be like, who are you messaging? Because it has. Why are you smiling? Why are you smiling? Like who, what is going on? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. And they're like, well, who is it? And I'm like, I actually really don't know. And they're like, what? (laughs) Why are you messaging this guy? You don't even know it. But like, what's his name? I don't know. And they're like, what? Like how long have you been messaging? Um, It's been a few weeks. And they're like, and you don't know his name. I'm like, yeah. Does he know your name? No. (laughs) So my friends basically were like, um, okay, you're crazy pants. You either like him and you're going to like, you know, either he's somebody that you're going to meet in real life and not just like chat bot it with this person or whatever. So that sort of led into uh, me asking him lots of questions like, why haven't you asked my name yet? Like, are you going, are you this, is this supposed to be romantic or is this a friendship thing? Or like, are we ever going to meet? And we met. Okay. Tell me about the first date and when you knew he was the one that you wanted to spend the rest of your life with. Oh, wow. Well, definitely those did not happen like back to back. (laughs) Um, Definitely We met and our first date was a complete disaster. Honestly, it's not, it was not a good first date or at least it wasn't the kind of first date you want to have when you first meet someone that you think, oh, they're so nice. And like, I think he's really sweet and really thoughtful. And, you know, so he's, he's like, well, in Korea, like they often, the first thing they ask is like, how tall are you? And, you know, where did you go to school? And what do you do for work? And where are you from? And so when we met, and we met at this big crosswalk, okay, we decided it was going to be all K-drama style. And we were going to like text each other until we're on opposite ends of the, I know, it's so cheesy. I told you I was old you school it? It's amazing, though. No, I didn't record it, but it does sound like I should. <laughs> <laughs> like it's like I swear my life is a drama script. Okay, drama or you script. invite friends to sit on the opposite corners and they record it from their view. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Seriously, we can reenact it. And we were like, it's at Shinchon Station, which is a really big like station. And we were on opposite ends. We were like, okay, are you near exit whatever? And I'm near exit whatever. These are subway exits. It's like, okay, well. I'm at the crosswalk and there's like a sea of people. There's no way you can, you know, see. And it was like, okay, when it turns green, we're going to meet in the middle. There was like a median. So that's how we met. Now, we both had pictures of each other, you know, so we could recognize and spot one another. But it was like, I know, it was a total romantic setup. But like, here we are smiling and walking across to the median. And when we get there, I realize mar, 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 he's like a whole head shorter than me. I was like, uh, <laughs> okay. And I mentioned, I was like, hmm, so you are five, seven, right? <laughs> so he was just like, um, yeah. And you know, that's how it started. It was a little awkward. And yes, he is shorter than me. And we went for a coffee. And we went for a coffee. I thought he was going to take me to dinner, so I was starving. But And so he's like, no, let's go to this coffee house. And we went to the coffee house, and it was very awkward because it was the we never we didn't even FaceTime or anything before. We just met for the first time. And I think for the first 15 minutes, we didn't talk. And I think we just giggled 
other side of the booth and it was like we couldn't even look at each other we're like oh my god that's so weird and and i was like i've never done this before and he's like i don't meet girls and i'm like oh god this is so fourth grade (laughs) so then it was like okay so we started asking each other sort of basic questions that you would think we'd get out of the way beforehand but The reason why it felt like, oh my gosh, this is not a good date was I would ask him things like, you know, generic things like, what's your biggest dream? Like, what's the dream that you haven't accomplished yet? Or like, you know, where are places that you've traveled to? Or where do you want to go to? Or just, you know, those kind of big swathy questions. And it was like a strikeout every time because he would be like, oh, a dream? I I don't know. Uh, I just want to have a nice family and have a good life. And I'm like, uh, what? Um, and, he, <laughs> and then he asked, you know, like what I would ask, Oh, where have you traveled to? And I noticed that nothing was really outside, not very far from the Seoul city limits. That's where we were. And so I was like, no, no, like, you know, like, have you been to, I was like, you're so close to Japan. Have you been to Japan or have you been to China? Like I'm a globetrotter. And he's like, uh, no, and I was like, okay. And and I'm like, okay, well, and he's like, that requires getting on an airplane. And I was like, well, what? You've never been on an airplane? And he's like, no. And I'm like, oh my God, I don't know. And I'm like, so you don't own a passport? And he's like, no. And I know that sounds really snobby, but for me, like I was like, okay, there's going to be very little that we have in common, you know? Yeah, I totally would have been the same way. I completely yeah, get it. It was <laughs> nuts. It was, I was just like, um, and I'm like, okay, so what are you reading now? And he's like, um, manga. And I'm like, no, <laughs> like real books. Like, or what's your favorite book? And he's like, I don't really have, oh, I have a manga series I really like. I'm like, it was everything that I just was like, okay, we really don't have anything in common. But Then we were like, okay, let's get off these topics. And then I was like, you know, let's talk about other things. And, and I think with all of that, we actually talked till like six in the morning and we didn't realize it was six in the morning. It was nuts. Cause in Korea, they don't close and it's 24 seven there. So they'll like kick you out, you know? And we both had to literally go home and take a shower and go to work. It was like straight after our date. So it's this, it was so confusing. I'm like, okay, how did I speak for like eight hours to a guy that I don't have anything in common with, you know? So that was our first date. And my friends kept saying like, you know, cause I would be like, I feel so bad. I'm going to crush his heart. And they're like, just go out with him. That's my friends are like, he's so nice. Just go out with him. Like, Aww. and I'm like, oh, okay, maybe. And the thing is that he was so nice. I wasn't sure that I was like, I thought I would run over him, you know, mm. but to get to that question of like, when did I know we were watching TV on the couch at my house? And I think it was like Korean dramas and they always start like at 10 PM. And <laughs> the thing is that I, I know it's really, they really do start at 10 PM because they want you to, uh, they want to wait for everybody to get home from work and for the kids to go down to, to watch uh, the viewership will really- be higher. I know. So uh, we were watching a drama and yeah, sure. I was tired, but what happened was I totally passed out. And the thing is that we were sort of snuggling on the couch and I had my head on his shoulder and I literally passed out. So, so like unrecollectable that I thought he drugged me. Like it was 
because the thing is, I actually have trouble sleeping and I don't sleep very well. So that was really shocking. And, mm-hmm. um, and so I, I was, I got all mad at him. We had this huge fight and I was like, what did you do? What did, did you put something in my drink? And like, you know, because like, this is still guy I met off the internet, you know? And I thought the shoe is going to drop. Like he's going to be some crazy person that I don't know about, you know? So I'm like, you know, he's too nice. I couldn't believe it. Right. And we had this huge fight and he's like, what do you think of me? And blah, blah, blah. And we like, didn't talk for a week. And you know, and he's just like, are you still thinking I put something in your drink? And I'm like, yeah, maybe. And he's just like, well, you know, we got over it. We had dinner. And so he, we were have, watching a drama on the couch, literally same thing. And my head's on his shoulder and we're like, and I fell asleep again like that. Mm. I passed out and I just didn't know what was going on because I don't fall asleep very well. And I think in my processing about it and like, and, you know, for me, like, I just, I I was so bewildered and I was praying about it. And I was like, okay, if this person is a dangerous person, God, I need you to, to like, tell me, signal to me something. And instead gave me this picture of peace, like just me being in absolute peace. And it occurred to me that um, my husband, Hyunsu, was so grounded in the present that he just had this peace around him. And when I fell asleep, it's like I, I like came into his covering of peace. And it silenced all of the crazy million thoughts in my head that normally keep me up. That's why I can't sleep. It's like I feel like a snow globe in my head when I lay down and I can't. But like his presence, Kensu's presence, when he put his arm around me and I was just near his core, it's like this peace fell all over me. Mm-hmm. And and I just felt so safe. I think that's what mm-hmm. it was. That I felt so safe. And I don't, you know, I have a past that tells me I'm not safe. You know, I had a really rough childhood, um, like a lot of abuse, an alcoholic parent, like a lot of things in my life that just told me the world wasn't safe. And Mm. uh, because of that, like I think his peace, that peace around me, like that was just something I didn't realize I needed so much. Despite Mm all the things that you would think I was always looking for in a mate. Like, you know, I always want educated, intellectual, funny, blah, 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 adventurous, all that stuff that it doesn't, it didn't matter. And so in that, when I had that aha, like I started crying and I realized, oh my gosh, it's the very thing that I need to complete me. Very Jerry Maguire. (laughs) I mean, seriously, it was, it was like, wow, I didn't even know I needed that. And nothing else mattered. Like wow. it didn't matter. Like all of the Koreans call them specs, like the specs of a person They're like all the things that, you know, specifications, like a resume, um, it didn't matter. And, um, that's when I knew I was like, I'm going to marry this man. This doesn't make sense at all, but I know it's the right thing. My next question, you know, we've kind of talked about this last time we met, but I know this is something that a lot of Asians or Asian Americans struggle with. 
and it's surrounding the conversation of our moms and what they expect of us. Mm-hmm. Um, could you talk a little bit about navigating both your mom and his mom and just that journey? So remember when I said my life is like a K-drama, Korean yeah. drama? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't watch some of them because it's like so real for me. You know, I know it's dramatized, but that stuff happens, y'all. It's not even funny. Most of the Cinderella stuff does not happen for sure. But <laughs> so so if that doesn't lay a foundation, it's very dramatic. I will say that I don't look back on it fondly. And it was probably mm. one of the most traumatic things I've ever had to walk through in my life. Mm. Um, so, you know, there were, I think some of it is there's cultural things at play uh, with wh- how... <sighs> They're a little funny. Like parents in Korea, there's this sort of dance where they try to one-up each other. Like the moms always try to one-up the other moms by bragging about their kids. So this is so opposite of Joylet Club in a lot of ways. And then so, you know, but they try to one-up each other and they'll say, well, my daughter did this, or my daughter did this, my son did this, or my, you know, my family background is this and blah, blah, blah. And they do sort of this, um, fronting each other. I noticed this now, like having gone through it, but I saw it in dramas. I didn't fully understand, but they front each other to just, you know, say like, at the end of the day, they're wanting to say, like, my son is worthy of your daughter or my daughter is worthy of your son. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of laying it out what happened. But I had invited Hensu to Christmas in L.A. with me. So I was living in – I lived in Korea for four years. Um, but in Chris, my brother lives in the L.A. area in O.C., and I would go home for Christmas. So that would be the one time I would go back to the States when I lived there. So I invited Hansu because we were we were talking about marriage. So I thought, okay, well, let's take him home to meet the parents, right? Like, let's do it. Um, so he came, and my mom was stranger danger all the way, like completely shunning him. He she barely even acknowledged his existence the entire Christmas week. It was terrible. And my mom's like, I can't believe, why would you bring, he's not family. And I'm like, I know. Like, but, and there were, I had other cousins there too. So it wasn't my just immediate family. My brother and my cousins were like totally sweet and, you know, encouraging him to not deal with my mom's yuck. But the Mm. last day we were there, she like sat us down, all serious, Asian mom-like, and started grilling him and she grilled him about things that honestly i was like jaw drop so mad like so embarrassed livid um because she's asking him about of course his parents because your pedigree your background is so important um and she asked like well what does your mom do what does your dad do like what's your last name and which lineage is that last name and where are they from? And like just grill, 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 grill. And then she went into this. I had honestly, like I, this is why I was embarrassed. She's, I have since known, I since have learned about there's this seven to nine level caste system in Korea. This is an ancient caste system based on what they call it, the sacred bone caste system. And of course, it's a lot like, you know, there's like a a nobility and there's lords and there's different tiers. 
And my mom started picking out the fact that he came from the bottommost caste tier of a system that like is has not been in like action for over like 1500 years, right? And some people still in Korea pride themselves of that. And now there's like new money caste system there. But, um, you know, so basically she was belittling him and shaming him that his family was so not worthy, right? And and then she started bragging about my dad and my dad's family and her mom and her mom's family. And they both came from a sacred bone level, like nobility, right? And my grandfather was a lord and all this stuff. So she would tell him like, well, you should know about her, her grandfather. And started listing out all these things that I couldn't even understand in Korean, but like, I guess he did. And he still won't tell me what she said, but mm-hmm. I just knew he was, she was trying to put him in his place. And I was so mad. And I just was like, I finally had it. Um, and I just said, you know what, mom, this is ridiculous. Like you're just making him feel completely unwelcome. And this is ridiculous. Like who even talks about a sacred bone system? Like, you know, are you from the chosen dynasty? This is, you know, this is the man I'm going to marry. And mind you, she had broken up two engagements in my 20s. Yeah, in my 20s before. So she, I was just like, do you not want me to be married? Do you want me to like, whenever you, it's your dream come true. It's a Korean man. And she's like, yeah, no, like you can't bring something like that into my home. And she was objectifying him. You know, it was wow. disgusting. So we went back home to Korea and it was terrible. Like we were both like traumatized. And apparently, of course, his mom, who was totally against him coming to the States at all, like he told her about what happened. And she immediately, of course, like told him that he can no longer see me. And, you know, mind you, by this point, I still haven't met them. And for me, I've been brought up that like you don't meet the parents until this is the Korean tradition until you're like marriage, like when you're thinking marriage partner. And like I didn't want that pressure. You know, I was like, okay, I want to see if like this works for my family and then we'll maybe think about it. Well, then she started, she threatened Hyunsu with disownment if he ever saw me again because I was four years older, I was American. And apparently my ovals, ovaries are too shriveled up to have children. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. And like, who is she to blah, blah, blah. And of course, everything my mom said to, you know, through him to them was completely offensive. And um, so that's the feud that started. And actually it broke us up. It was terrible. It was like, not even just, just like, just break up. It's like, I think he broke up with me probably like 20 something times and it was it was terrible because like you know I'd be like what's going on I thought we decided this is what we want and he didn't tell me for a long time that they threatened disownment he just would say like we're just not gonna work and I'm like wait what's going on you know Um, and we'd have this Korean drama style we'd have this like huge trip to Namisam, which is like this island, Nami Island. It's like romantics where couples go. And then at the end of it, he would try to break up with me in the parking lot. Like what? They always do these like happiest, leave the happiest memory before you break up. Like it's seriously like a Korean drama. And so I had like 20 something. (laughs) 
<laughs> it was terrible. So yeah, so that that was the feud. And then how did you how did you win the moms? I don't think we win the moms, really. I don't know. Mm. Like so um when we finally it was like over over. Um, I'll tell you, like it was it, it you know, even his friends got involved. And like it was anyways, I can't even. But how did we come? Um I think it was about four or almost five months. Yeah, almost four to five months that we were broken up. And I went through a really deep depression. Like I did not eat. I tech I was that girl. I texted him all the time. I tried to call. He never took any of them. He never responded. Yeah, I was pretty broken. And I think one day I had to just kind of pick up the pieces. Like I was so not okay that I went back home and I went home and I actually chose to go to Kansas city. That was the last place I had lived. Um, and I went there to sort of restore and refine myself because clearly I'm like, what happened to me? Like I'm not even me anymore. And, you know, had just a re like had a lot of time of healing there um, and went back to Korea. And one of those things that was me was travel. And my, one of my roommates was going to Thailand and we went to Thailand. And, um, and I remember one of my friends talking about eat, love, pray and eat, pray, love, right. Eat, pray, love. Right. Mm-hmm. And she was telling about her story. Cause I was, you know, clearly talking about my boyfriend and she was telling me about her breakup and she told me about the book and how that transformed her life. So I went back to Korea and I read the book and there's this one part in it where she writes out this giant prayer, all sobbing, like biggest prayer ever. And I did that. It's not at all. And, and I basically literally wrote out like exactly what I hoped would happen. Like, the what he would say, how he would look at me, like, because basically I asked, like, for us to get back together. And I, oh, and that was after I had this very vivid dream where he was sitting next to me and had his arm around me. And I think I woke up from that. And that's where mm-hmm. I wrote this prayer. So wrote out that prayer, snotty prayer. I still have it in my journal. And I started to seek him out. So I was like, you know what? Like, I really believe this. And I would, I try to go by his work after work and he wasn't there. And I tried, I went by his house and I was thinking, okay, he should be coming home about now. Right. Or I don't know what's going on. And, and one of those days, um, his mom walked up the stairs because <laughs> he still lived at home. Mm. And this was actually, you know, Hensu did. He actually opened the door one day he was home. And it was this very sad yet happy, melancholic moment that we were having. And I was just like, look, I just want to, if we are going to end this, I don't want to end it like the way we did. But if there is something that we have, I think it's you know, it's worth the time that and the love that we have for each other to explore it and 
let's make an adult decision and not have it be this dramatic thing. So we just finished that and I was like, okay. And we had decided like, maybe we can meet for coffee. And I was happy that he was willing to do that. And as I was turning around, his mom starts coming up the stairs. Like they lived in this villa, this multi-story villa, the building that they own. And they lived on the second floor at the time. So I was like, oh, Shiza. Like, oh, and he like, she looks at me, she looks at him. And I don't know that she's seen a picture of me or not, but she, we had not met. Wow. And she's like, well, don't just stand in the hallway. You're welcome to come in. And I was like, um, no, I'm actually on my way out. And then he looks, she looks at me again and she's like, so you're that girl, right? And I was like, yes. And I think if that's who you think I am. And she's like, I see. Okay, well, you can either come in or I guess you're leaving. And I was like, I'm I'm leaving. So I left. Um, and before, oh no. So then Hensu and I had coffee and I kid like, and then I get a phone call from her. Like, I didn't know it was her. I just got this phone call, a number I didn't know. While you're at coffee? No, not while I'm at coffee. Maybe like the day after. Mm-hmm. And I got this phone call of a number I didn't know. I pick it up and it's his mom. So apparently she said, give me his phone number, give me her phone number. And all she says is on Friday, I want you to show up at this place. We're going to have dinner and we're going to talk whether or not you're going to get married. And I was like, what? Like I only just had coffee for the first time in five months after a totally traumatic breakup that you designed. And now you're telling me to show up 24 hours after the first time I actually sat down and talked with my former boyfriend, whether or not we're going to get married. So that's what started it all back up again. Like we barely had a chance to even say we're going to get back together or if we were, and she's already cramming marriage down my throat. I know. That's the thing about freaking Asian parents. Your parents do that too? Okay. Mine wasn't that dramatic. Okay. (laughs) so single, but they did go from, you're not allowed to date till after college to immediately after like, we are praying for your future husband. And I was like, excuse me? Uh, Right. I know. (laughs) Right. Oh my gosh. What in the world? And then like my mom's a little hot and cold like that. She's like, oh no, like you know, you will only marry a Korean man and blah, 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 blah. And you're going to have X amount of children. And then, and then she'll be like, you know, you can't see boys. Like you're no, you're, you can't have, you can't get married yet until you get your PhD. And I'm like, okay, so when I'm like 40 something, cause like basically <laughs> that's what you're telling me. Um, and basically that's the track she had me on. I'll tell you that for sure. So yeah, Asian moms are kind of intense. And I think her agenda too, is she told me when at dinner, she was just like, listen, you are too old for my son, but if you guys are going to do this and you're going to get back together, it's only cause you're going to get married. So then she wanted us to get married the next month. It was ridiculous. Wait, I did know. you do it? No, no, but like we got, we did get married within months. It was like insanity. We literally had coffee and then we had to like immediately start like looking for wedding halls because they wanted us to do and, and okay, like make it even more dramatic. So my mom had come to Korea that summer. Okay. And she came because she was getting some treatments done, but then she also had this, I think agenda 
I think my brother told me in retrospect that he was just like, well, you know, your sister is getting old. And if she wants to marry this person, I need to meet her parent, his parents. So she came to Korea explicitly to also meet his parents, but we were broken up. And oh my God. Okay. Anyways, I don't even want to go there. Like what that was like. But <laughs> so like we had this, my mom and I, this is before we got back together. Okay. Like I kid you not, like a week before Kensu opened that door, I was having dinner with my mom. And mind you, I'm also pretty much estranged from my mom. So like, I barely did, had a relationship with her. And she's like, let's have dinner. I'm in Korea. And I'm like, oh, you live in Arizona and you did not even announce you were coming. Okay. <laughs> like, uh, so we had dinner and she's, and I'm clearly, she's like, you lost a lot of weight. And I'm like, yes. And she's like, okay. And so where is this person? And, um, you know, we had broken up and I told her, I was like, well, we're not together anymore. And then she started ripping up him again and his family and all that stuff. And I just, it was terrible. And mm-hmm. so week later, open store and go to dinner with now Hensu's mom, who's telling us to get married within a month. So then we had to go find, so then it was like, Hensu and I are like, oh my God, like, okay what do we do? Like she is here. My mom is here and she went down to Busan, which is about three and a half hours away. She was like, she went down to Busan and she doesn't know we're together again. And she is in Korea. So it would be opportune if we're getting married for the moms to meet, which is a big deal when you're getting married, moms are supposed to meet and there's a whole thing. But, um, so yeah, so we, booked a train that like one night we just were like after work we just booked the train and we went down to Busan to try to meet her and anyways there's way more drama still there uh my mom's not a very nice person but um eventually they did meet and they survived it they survived it but it was also like the one of the most uncomfortable things I've ever done because my mom's being all hoity his mom is like honestly his mom is his mom is not like the leave it to beaver kind. It's like the Korean version, you know, like she's very like, she does come from very humble, like, um, upbringing. She doesn't hide that either. And I love that. She's very no nonsense, very matter of fact, she's very blunt, but she's also like not, it's, you know, she's not like as controlling as my mom. She's just more like, well, I really don't want to do this. And she'll just kind of lean on you and lean on you and lean on you to try to, but she's super kind. So she's this, like, she's dressed Ajima style, which, you know, that's the, that's what you call married women there with like rhinestones and multicolors and Mm -hmm. like permed hair and glasses. And my mom's like dressed in a suit and being not approachable, (laughs) but yeah, they met and they had the most uncomfortable conversation Because my mom's not, I don't know what religion she is now, but she was definitely Catholic before. Um, But another Korean thing, things I learned, is that they set wedding dates. A lot of them set wedding dates based on shamans identifying your lucky days for marriage. Wow. Yeah. So then Hensi's mom brings that up. And normally it's the bride's mom that's supposed to go see the shaman and do all this stuff. And it was... And it was bananas. So, like, definitely I learned I'm not very Korean. 
<laughs> I was there. But yeah, so that was the kind of stuff there. And like they had to decide that we were not, they also have a dowry thing, a whole dowry thing. And it's like up to hundreds of thousands of dollars of gifts that you're supposed to give each other in money. Wow. The wife's family actually is supposed to give it to the husband's family. It's like so backwards. Like here, I'll pay you to take my daughter. That's basically what it is. Like buying mink coats and all this stuff. And <laughs> But like the, the husband's side is supposed to like buy us a whole apartment and furnish everything. And anyways, that's like hundreds of thousands of dollars plus the wow. wedding. Right. Mm-hmm. So we didn't do any of that. And Yeah. That's, so that's the kind of crazy dynamic. My mom's definitely more American than Korean. I'll say that. No. <laughs> You're like American mixed with K-drama. Is yeah. Really- no, I know. I was just like, might as well put a blonde bop on me. Like, I have no <laughs> idea what the heck was going. I'm like, what do you mean go like shaman, you know, pit, ask the shaman if that's a good date, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. So you guys literally went overnight from we might get back together to oh we're talking wedding dates yeah and I remember my sister-in-law getting so mad at me she's like why can't you just like why are you rushing this are you pregnant and I was like what we literally only had coffee like I don't know what else to tell you the rest (laughs) of our time has been booked out checking like being touring all these wedding halls and I was like and I don't even know if we're getting back together like we're not and she's like are you engaged yet i don't think you're like he proposed i was like apparently they don't really do that in korea like they really don't like proposing is like a, it's like you're super lucky if someone proposes with a ring Mm -hmm. there it's just normally like some you just decide like a contract you're like hey we're getting married right and you make it official by the mom's meeting it's like weird so yeah, it was insanity, girl. And we got married. I mean, it was, I, there's so many times they, that my his mom called to disown us, like, because of the date even. But we pushed it as far as we could, and I wanted it to be a date that my brother could come. And we did it. It was actually a Thanksgiving weekend in America. And I felt bad that he couldn't spend the whole weekend with his family, but he came and with my mom to a Korean wedding. And that was November 17th, 2012. Yeah. Yeah. Behind every healthy relationship is two people that have done their own work. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned that you had kind of come from a rough past. And I was just wondering, and even as we've talked in this conversation, the drama between moms and all of that, Mm -hmm. what has been one of the most helpful tools or things that you've done personally on your own journey? Mm -hmm. Honestly, therapy. Mm -hmm. That is like, I mean, I know that different people have different levels of difficulty with things, but if you definitely have trauma and if you're like, what's trauma? I'm not sure if I have trauma. Like there's different levels of trauma, but like if you are waking up in cold sweats, if you get triggered and get go into bouts of depression, if you like have fears that freeze you up, like there's trauma involved. And uh, for me, definitely counseling um, at different points in my life. And some of actually the deepest counseling or therapy I've received has not been from a licensed counselor. 
Mm. And so, um, you know, while if you look it up on Google, it might seem so controversial, but I know that I have had a lot of healing with prayer counseling mm. and different forms of that. Um, and I don't know. Yeah. So I would say that that those are, have been the most pivotal, the most breakthrough um, giving tools that I've received um, to be able to deal with like a lot of the trauma. You recently started an incredible consulting business, Mm. daringly great. Yes. Uh, I would love for you to share what made you start this business and what it's about. Yeah. Well, it is a leadership and team coaching and consulting service. Now that's a mouthful. But, you know, really my vision for this business is to redefine leadership. Now I'm going to back up. And this does lead, you know, is related to why I started it and how this all came to be. I had a consulting business for about 12 years alongside working with different companies. And um, most recently, I've been working in tech startups here in Austin. But I got to the point where going Mach 2 with your hair on fire um, was destroying my marriage. Mm and destroying my health. And honestly, like I was not aligned. And that I think is what was wreaking more havoc than, than anything. And so last July, I started this company sort of restarting. I folded my previous consulting practice and not working in startups anymore and found a world that I have been sort of observing on the sidelines for about five years of online entrepreneurs who really went into it wanting life balance and trying to prioritize the things we say we're supposed to prioritize, like family, mm-hmm. um, and were more impact-driven than it was just profit-driven making decisions that I felt more was in alignment with my personal values. Mm -hmm. And so that my business solely serves online entrepreneurs now who are impact purpose driven, who do seek true, not the quote unquote life, true life, uh, work-life balance, but true work-life balance and prioritize whole health, including the family. And that's what I try to model as well. And Mm. definitely into it, very excited to have made this shift. And it's given me the opportunity to realign with myself and really spend a lot of quality time with my husband. Yeah, it's been so good. Like I wouldn't have it any other way. How can we go about loving our team and coworkers like family and balancing that with your real family? Yeah. You know, one of the things that I find interesting that I I learned in startup, but also learned the shadow side in startup is that when you're around people where you are aligned in values, where you are aligned in purpose, like 
building something in the same, and you're going in the same direction where you really care for one another instead of have it be this transactional relationship, like you build real bonds, right? And I experienced a lot of that when I worked in nonprofits. Um, I experienced a lot of that working in very for-purpose type organizations. And I would say that, you know, to be honest, when I went and worked with startups, a lot of my attraction to it was seeing my curiosity that this private sector was exploring that, like Mm -hmm. values-driven, culture-driven, people are first, right? And have made some of my closest friends even in the last five years through that, right? Now, I did feel like family with them, you know, like I felt like family with them. But, you know, when your family bond breaks the moment that you no longer work there, it it just sort of shakes you up. You know, I've definitely, suddenly people that I spent basically 24-7 with in the startup realm, like as soon as a decision was made that they, you know, I or someone else would no longer be part of that company, it's like you were disowned. And I felt that. And that felt very wrong, to be honest, because it was like all the feels and all the things that you think are connecting and you just... I don't know. It does a it does a head job on you. I'll tell you that. And I'll say too, like one of the things with that lessons I learned that then I'll I'll share with you like how I apply that to online entrepreneurs is, you know, when when you're drinking the Kool Aid of startup world, <laughs> you know, where every like your lunches are catered, you breakfast tacos, like happy hours, dinner stuff all the time. Uh, sponsored and not sponsored, you end up actually spending a lot of time with your coworkers. That's why it feels like family. And if you actually count up the hours, I was like many X times over the time I spent with my own actual family. Now, I think that's great for a lot of people who are single who don't have like a nuclear unit here, but I saw that to be like, I, that's part of what was damaging my relationship with my husband. And it's not that I, I mean, granted, I can have better boundaries, but there is a lot of peer pressure to be part, you know, and there was a lot of making fun of and shunning and basically leaving out people who had families and children and who chose to go home, you know? Um, So anyways, trying to learn from those experiences and taking the good parts and pulling that and teaching people who are creating and running their own businesses as solopreneurs, as online entrepreneurs, even brick and mortar, small business owners. Apparently, small business owners, anyone under 10 million is small business owner. Can you believe it? So small business owners, it's that you know, I saw the power of when you are able to align in vision and purpose and values and really create and foster genuine relationships with people that you're working with and that there is a genuine care there for one another, that sometimes things got more intense, just like family. Sometimes Mm -hmm. things too, though, 
I saw saw such devotion to projects and the kind of devotion that you would see that in a family, right? Mm-hmm. Like the care and the devotion, how much people actually cared. And the interesting thing that I find with my clients, oftentimes they say, I don't know how to make them care. Like, why don't they care about my business the way that I do? And um, and I firsthand have seen when people, when you create a space that does feel like family, people care. And mm-hmm. they don't just care because it's about money. They care because it's the right thing to do, right to mm-hmm. do by your team, right to do for the purpose and the cause, right for the family, et cetera. And yeah, but one of the things I really admire about a lot of successful online entrepreneurs, and I'm not saying that there aren't successful ones that don't do this or that, yeah, is that there's still this fierce, my family comes first, you know? And I think that that's what's missing in the startup realm. It's like, I see executives who have children and I mean, sometimes I'm like, wow, do you ever, you probably struggle with a lot of mom guilt or like mm. this never goes home or like, I, no wonder people have affairs. Like mm. I, I just, you know, I mean, girl, there was a lot of stuff that I didn't want to know about people. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I thought, okay, I can serve these people because that's what I want to put first and yet like create an incredible team experience that is gratifying, not just because you get a paycheck, but gratifying because you have, you have a unified purpose and you have genuine relationships, right? It's, and I call that transformational leadership versus transactional leadership. Um, Transactional meaning like dollars for hours, like, Mm -hmm. Clock in, clock out. I'm going to give you $25 an hour for that work, mm-hmm. right? Versus transformational, meaning like, I see you and I want to invest myself, not even just my money, but my time and my heart into you mm-hmm. like, as the business owner to p- people on the team and invite you into a relationship with me and create this win-win situation. Yeah. Right. What do you wish more leaders knew about running a business or building a team? Mm. You know, my biggest, there's like several sort of shifts that I help a lot of the leaders I work with make. And these are some shifts that I've also helped startup leaders make as well. It's a little harder for them because I think money, it's very money driven, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And that's pretty much the norm. Um, for the industry. It's like how you establish how successful you are, right? But I think it's really about seeing people as an investment and not an expense. I think a lot of people, like today I was on a call, I'm going to go speak at a mastermind and I was listening about the ladies there and there was several of them were having a tough time even trying to outsource something at $3 an hour to someone in the Philippines. And it's, I'm not shaming this person. I just think $3 an hour is like so much money that will change the life of this person, like radically change the life of this person, right? It's a privilege 
to be able to invite someone into a working relationship with you. And on top of that, be able to award them with that amount of money, right? Which is still a lot in the Philippines. And your Starbucks costs more than the $3 for someone to do, work their tail off because they're so grateful for the $3 an hour, you know? And because this person was seeing it as this expense, right? And it's funny that people don't see a Starbucks as an expense. They just, it's like an entitlement. Like, of course, like, I don't, I'm not even going to look at how much it is, right? Like, I'm not even yeah. going to look at how much it is before I buy it. Yes, venti size it. Like, dude, that just, it just blows my mind. So it's like, that's a gift that I would wish for any business owner, whether you outsource overseas, whether you work with people here, that if you see that, well, number one is purpose over paycheck, a hundred percent, hands down. If you have the right purpose and it aligns with them, this person's going to like work for you for free right? It's not about how much they, you pay them. But secondly, that you have to start with the mindset of the opportunity for you to invite someone into a relationship with you and your business is a privilege. And it's also an investment and it's never going to be a waste. And it would be a waste if you look at it as an expense, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, then you start counting the minutes and like you start like saying, oh, well, you know, your mistake that had to correct three times cost me three X more to do that. Like, I mean, you start thinking of it that way. Right. And I think that's a shame because uh, when you do it that way, you're objectifying this person's contribution and you're never going to get the best out of, you know, out of someone you're never going, they're not going to care about you. If you don't care about them, they're definitely not going to care about your business if you don't care about them. Um, so it's, you know, it's a shift that I think would radically change. And it's not just saying like, okay, well, I'm just going to start calling an investment. You know, it's, 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 it's a life disposition. Um, right. Your business, you create it from your place of passion and you create it from this idea entrepreneurs create things that were never created before. Like we create things that never existed before, right? It creates its energy. So if you are inviting other people's energy into your business, then let it be this kind of summative power, like have it be something that is Mm -hmm. greater together than siloed into these separate minutes, right? Yeah. Um, So and the only way to do that is to approach it as a relationship, to approach it as an investment of not just your money, but also you, right? Right. How does your husband support you in your business now? Mm. You know, this is so interesting. It's like full circle for where we started. Mm. So remember how I said that he was so grounded and just in the, he's very present oriented. It's almost infuriating. <laughs> Because I'm so all about planning the future and I evaluate the past and then, you know, I'm probably not so present. But because it's, remember, so remember how he's so safe and he has that peace and he has Mm -hmm. that groundedness. Well, this entrepreneurial life, as you know very well, Sophie, Mm -hmm. it's hard. It's Mm -hmm. not 
it's it is the constant evaluation of the past and reckoning with it and trying to plan the future and not have being lost you know and then trying to be so present in the moment uh but you're just it's like you're split a million ways and it's really cool to think that as i decided to move away from working in startups or even being on airplanes and living out of suitcases constantly with consulting that he plays that role for me in this business is mm-hmm. that you know i can we call it actually recharge time so he know he knows like he'll be like mm, i think you need recharge time and like literally all that means is like he's just holding on to me and i'm just can just sink into him and i literally feel so recharged by being just enveloped by that peace mm. and it's amazing so sweet. oh thank you i know i feel so <laughs> lucky you know like ah oh, like and the, i don't think i could do what i'm doing now without it you know and trying to stay true to myself instead of going i mean i get the rules of the world i know how to climb the corporate ladder i know how to schmooze i'm trying to be i'm trying to zag when people are zigging i know the rules to zig and i'm saying i want to zag and that requires so much more alignment and peace and groundedness than ever before and that's what he does for me and feeds me. I'll tell you that. That's my love language. He's a chef. Uh. So he feeds me amazing food and makes sure that I'm, you know, because I'm the type that will, if I start working, like I won't even know if I'm hot or cold or thirsty or eating. Like it's like I went into a time warp. I know I'm the same way. So it's so helpful having someone else do the meal prepping. <laughs> yes, I know. I mean, I wish it was every day. It's only like two days a week when he's uh, off. But like, uh, yeah. But even then, it's like he'll text me and be like, you need to eat. And then he's like, text me again. You didn't eat yet. I know you didn't eat. Go down, get off the computer and go eat. Like, <laughs> uh, so yeah. So just, you know, such an anchor for me. And I'm very grateful. And it's funny to think like that the very reason I married him, like that now this is the very thing that keeps me grounded as I'm building this business and the vision mm-hmm. that I have moving forward. Well, where can our incredible listeners find you if they want to find out more about Daringly Great? Yes. Well, I am always on Instagram. So if you find me on Daringly Great Consulting, but I'm also on Facebook and on website, daringlygreat.com. Wonderful. And I think you had a little gift you wanted to give our listeners. I do. So as you know, I really love to help people level up in their leadership abilities and their mindset, but most importantly, team. And uh, so my gift is the Ultimate Dream Team Hiring Roadmap, and it's for free. And it's really just broken out step-by-step of to be honest, like the exact steps that I use to identify, attract, pick out and hire dream team members. And Mm. the process, if you follow it, um, you won't waste your time. 
Um, and it's actually the same exact process that we used in startups. And you know, like Google, Facebook, you know, all, Dropbox, all these places that have awesome, amazing people. The little secret is this, find them, hire them, keep them. That's Google's find them, hire them, tra- train them, keep them. That's their Google's people ops thing. And they really do look for, they don't look necessarily for like the specs and the checklist. What they look for is raw talent, eagerness, alignment with values, culture fit, and you know, people who are eager to learn. Mm-hmm. And I think those attributes are more important than, do you know this software system? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? um, and so then when they come in and they look like, I like what Seth Godin says in his latest book. I don't know if you've read it yet. Um, it's called mm-hmm. This Marketing. He says something in there and he says it in the form of marketing, but I think honestly, um, Hiring is another form of marketing. It's internal marketing, right? Right. And he says, the stronger you um, define and make the statement of people like this do things like this, that you can create a tribe around that. And I feel like the same principle is applicable to recruiting and hiring the right people, right? I think most people have conflict with the wrong people because when you're trying to hire for someone that's going to work intimately with you and be family, then you probably want to hire the people that are like you. So mm-hmm. defining people like this, like what are your values? What is your culture like? What are these expectations? Like what are people like this like and what do they do? Do things like this. Mm-hmm. And if you can identify that and hire with that in mind, you're going to have no doubt an incredible team. That's really powerful because I definitely have made some team mistakes. And so even hearing you talk about this, looking back, I'm like, yep, definitely made that mistake. Definitely could have done that better. Um, So I will definitely be going on to download the dream team hiring roadmap. I just wanted to take a moment, Teresa, to acknowledge you and just first of all, say thank you for reaching out to me on Instagram. I think LinkedIn first, but... um, I, my life has not been the same since I met you and I just really cherish you, but also the light that you are in the industry. Um, you're right. Startups are extremely kind of brutal and, um, can be extremely toxic, but I love what you're doing now and empowering leaders to build their dream team, to be in alignment with themselves, to put their family first, because truly everything else follows. If, the right things are in place. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just thank you for the work that you do, the voice that you are, the oh. way that you're empowering leaders because they're leading a lot of people and they're either doing it well or poorly. Oh, thank you, Sophie. You're like making me tear up. <laughs> oh. No, this is, I'm so pleased that we were able to meet and we will continue to have our coffee dates. Yes, but yes. thank you so much for inviting me to talk about my story and, you know, share about that. And yeah, yeah. like, of course, I want everyone to have that peaceful anchor. So go find your, <laughs> go find my <laughs> version of my husband. It's pretty great. <laughs> yes. Uh, what is the best relationship advice you've ever been given or could give? Yeah, I have one. 
if you're still asking, if you believe in the whole, if he's the one, if she's the one or whatever, like if you're still asking, then he or she is not it. Dang. How long would you give the person? Well, like if you're asking if he's the one starting the first date, you're being really premature. Like you don't know anything about this person. But like if you've been with this person, like whether it's been in – and I believe this too. Like I've seen most of my – a lot of my friends end up marrying their best friends um, who were completely platonic for a long time. But there's a moment where you – I feel like – you start asking yourself, like imagining, could I do this for the rest of my life? Right. Because you already have these patterns with somebody and, you know, daydream and all and all stuff. But if you're like racked with the, if he's the one, if she's the one like question, like, first of all, my philosophy is that you can have many ones, you know, it's, there's, it's compatibility and choices I know I'm romantic, but that I don't think that there's just one person you're ever made yeah. to like ever be with. Uh, yeah. So, and and then like your criteria, as based on my story, like it is not a checklist. There's something that Jerry Maguire like that completes you that makes you feel whole like it's this yin and yang kind of effect right um and i think that's why opposites attract to be honest Mm -hmm. i get it more now Mm -hmm. um but you know it's not just that like you know he likes black and i like white it's not like that it's there's a complementary effect right and yeah can i add one more yeah of course yeah um, some people might like hate me for saying this, but I'll say that it's not about all the fire. Like it's not about the passion and the fire. I wholeheartedly believe that. Mm-hmm. Like some people are like, what if, what do you mean? Like if you don't, if I don't think I can jump their bones all the time, like how am I supposed to live with them for the rest of my life? And I'm like, you know, some people have that. I've seen that in marriage. Like some people really do have that. Uh, But oftentimes the people who have the passionate relationships also fight like cats and dogs. Mm -hmm. And um, it's, there's not life compatibility um, as much. And that's, I think more important for a depth of relationship. I mean, not saying that you can't have fire with your mate. Like that's not it. I'm saying Mm -hmm. that, that if you're, if that is the like first, a lot of people do that. Like the very beginning, it's like, Oh, I don't feel chemistry or I don't feel attraction. Like that's not, I don't think that's your, the right way to meter whether someone is a life mate for you or not. Right. Sometimes they might be shorter than you. Yeah. Like a whole head. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, sometimes they're shorter than you. Sometimes they're not like what you know, the, I think Disney screwed us up. Like I listened to that yes. podcast and I'm totally in alignment. I was like, oh my gosh, so true. Now Disney, I, so I'm always trying to get my nie- nieces like, don't fall in love with Prince Charm. Because I'll be like, they're like, when I get married, I want to marry the Prince Charming. And I'm like, no, you don't. 
no, really, you don't. He's pretty lame. Don't yeah. do it. You don't fall in love with the nerd because he brings up the bank. Just kidding. Well, you know, there's actually another thing. Can I share another one? This is I'm yes. Like we can talk forever. My forties, but like, here's another one, and I didn't really understand this one when I got it. This is, I got this in my twenties, and they said, <clears throat> um, and I, I remember what I used to say about it too. They would say, so one of my um, mentors would say, "Monkey, don't." Like, I know you're attracted to the monkey man, but you're going to marry the khaki pants. And I was like, what? Like, what are you talking about? And they're like, oh, you know, the real charismatic one that's really fun, that's on stage, that everybody loves to talk to. It's like super fun. Everybody's always attracted to them. Like, he's hot or whatever. That, like, that monkey man, like, you know, I the call one. Him that, the camp counselor. Right? <laughs> you call him the camp counselor. That's so funny. Wow. Not all my campers were like that, but <laughs> uh, most of them are the ones that everyone likes. Like, totally a monkey man. Oh, really? Oh, oh, that's true. Actually, that's true. I always liked the mysterious ones. Mm. Like that was my thing. But like they always said, like oh, the monkey man. Like you girls always fall for the monkey man. Like all the movies feature the monkey man. Like. And they're like, stop falling for the monkey. They're like, you can like the monkey man. You can date the monkey man, but you're going to marry the khaki pants. And I was like, what? Like, and that, and we would joke around and say pleated or flat, like front. <laughs> it makes a difference. <laughs> and um, yeah, and she, she like this person specifically was just, you know, that's she was actually one of the ones that married, ended up marrying her best friend. And he was very, and actually he did wear khaki pants now that I remember. Okay. How would you describe the khaki pants person though? Oh, so me or what most people would call this person? I mean, either. I'm just like, what does that definition even mean? I, I don't oh, really understand okay. what so a monkey when, man is. But when I was like, when I was just crushing out a bunch of boys and all that stuff, we would call him boring. The one that's like, oh, he's so nice, but like, there's no, like, he's just too nice. Like, very easy, like, kind of could be a pushover. I wish he would have a backbone. Mm. But the thing is that they do. I'll tell you, my husband has a backbone for sure. I thought <laughs> I'd run over him. And I was like, the first time he stood up to me, I was like, ooh, okay, I could do this. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> you know, well, so don't underestimate the nice ones. That's for sure. Um <laughs> So, like, what else? What do we call him? We would say, um, like, I mean, kind of sometimes the nerd, right? Not always the nerd. He was always the safe one. The friend oh, zone. the safe one. Yeah, the safe one, you would friend zone. The one that, like, like you're not sure, like, if he'll show up to the party if you invite him. Like, oh, and it's like, oh, you came. <laughs> or... um, the one that gets the stable job that like, you know, is the one that sort of cross, they're like, do they follow the rules? Yeah. I don't yeah. know if I'm painting, am I painting the picture you're in your head for you? Yeah, you are. And now I'm like, I bet people are wondering, but they're like, why do I have to marry the khaki pants guy? Right. Well, you know, I think it's basically saying like, don't underestimate khaki pants. Mm. right like i said you think that they don't have a backbone and maybe some of them don't you know but like some of them do they're and they the good do. ones that do 
Yeah. And you think that they wouldn't ever get mad at something. It's sometimes they're the scariest. Um, <laughs> uh, and let's see. And I'll tell you this, like having a stable guy is nice for a change. Yeah. <laughs> I yes. don't know what kind of guys you've been around, Sophie, but like, I, I know I had yeah. a lot of drama. <laughs> Well, I used to joke and say that I, when people ask me what was my type, I would say the camp counselor. And now You're I'm learning. That, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now I'm learning that's not necessarily what I want. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, girl, like I, mm-hmm. all the monkey boys, all the monkey men, monkey boys, for sure. I had crushes on all of them, for sure. Like, yeah, like long-time infatuations where I'd be like, oh, my God, imagine I'd get married to them, you know, oh, yeah, all that. But, you know, I've also dated some, and oof. <laughs> drama. Drama. Left. Oh, yeah, right? It's like drama. But, like, I mean, seriously, like, because they don't they, – they're exciting because they're always trying different things, but that also signals – instability to be honest like you don't know like they may not be committed to coming to hang out with your friends or like they change their plans a lot or um Mm. you know them it's not to say that they're all like infidels but oftentimes their eyes are roaming more because Mm. there are way more women i mean this could be the same for like reverse it for you know guys and girls are yeah like way more women throwing themselves at that you know what i mean like yeah, that makes and, sense um and even the safe boys i'll tell you that like my sister-in-law she would tell me yeah sometimes i see um she's talking about her brother sometimes i see him his eyes rolling and i just go hey 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 and i'm like what i would be so mad and she's like no She's like, I know him too well. And basically she's saying he's khaki pants. Like he won't do anything. (laughs) You know what I mean? So even Mr. Khaki Pants' eyes wander, right? But the monkey men actually do something about it. And that's Mm. not what you want to marry. Yeah. Right. Last question. What does love or love intently mean to you? Mm. So uh, confession. Uh, So I think – I saw you listen on a pan- tech stars panel. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. And I saw love intently and I thought, wow, what a great name. And that's actually mm-hmm. what drew me to looking you up and sending you a message. Cause I thought, I really like that statement. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say for me, it's, I mean, I kind of tend to be an intense person. So that was all kinds of me right there. But love intently is, I think it's about loving yourself well first so that you know how to love somebody else. So it's very golden rule, you know? And if and if you don't know how to truly love yourself, and I'm not talking about, oh, go do self-care. It's more like, mm-hmm. do you know how to respect yourself or to mm-hmm. know how to hear your real desires and your wishes? Like, are you willing to stand up for what you believe and have the boundaries and make hard choices that are true to you. Because I think if you know how to do that well, then you can do that for others better. Mm. And I think it's a really backwards thing. And maybe it comes from the, you know, 
Western Christian sort of background, but the whole idea of not being selfish and trying to serve others first, that's how you show love. And and I'm thinking, dude, if you don't know what love is and God is love, and you don't know what love feels like, just being just being you, then you can't love others. And I think people try to find love by learning how to love somebody else first. And I'm Mm. saying you have to learn how to love God and receive love from God. Learn how to love yourself so you can love others. And I'm not talking about becoming narcissistic. It's there's something there that um, if you, yeah. So that's what love intently means. For me. Yeah, that's so, so, so needed and powerful. I know it's something that I've personally struggled with as a recovering too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, I think so much of the Christian language, mm-hmm. because I would say there's a big amount of people that need to hear that message of mm-hmm. learning how to love others. But I also think that those people are struggling with that because they haven't learned how to love themselves first. Yeah. Truly. I know. It's and it's, you know, it I know it could be taking taken all the wrong way, but yeah. And and two, it's it's another there's another saying that you are like I really believe this and this is something I know I'm actively working on a lot is that anything in your environment is really a reflection of what's inside. And if you don't know love on the inside, meaning with yourself, with God, then the love that you are exhibiting outside of yourself, like that might not be true love. Mm. Like if you have not learned to truly love yourself, like then that form of love actually falls short of what love is possible or what, what love could be. Um, and so that's just something to chew on. And, um, and, and that if you focus so much on the outward expression of love and you don't feel that on the inside, you end up, I don't know, there's like this, um, self-worth transaction that happens. Like, I am not, it's almost saying like, I am not worthy of love, but you are. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to therefore give you love. And Mm -hmm. um, so if there's, there's some balance there for people to think about for, because I, I see as someone who used to register as a two. So I've been recovered from being a two (laughs) Is I th- it is that was part of my story, was that yeah. I didn't feel like worthy of love, and mm-hmm. um, and I loved and served other people in some backwards way to in hopes that someone would love me back that way because I didn't know how to love myself. Mm. Yeah, does that make sense? Like absolutely. Yeah. So it was like this desperate desire to be loved. And so Mm -hmm. 
I'm loving on other people because, and then hoping that someone will do the same for me, but that actually never happened. Yeah. And you're always just giving from an empty place. Yeah. And it's exhausting. I don't know. Aren't you tired, Sophie? Oh, totally. I've been tired so much. Which is why we're in recovery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's, yeah. you know, it's healthy. You'll, you're, you can be a healthy too. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I believe that. Well, thank you so much. Oh, thank you. I'm so glad to have this time with you. <laughs> thank you so much for listening, friends. From the bottom of my heart, I just deeply cherish and have deep gratitude for every single one of you who tune in week after week. If this episode resonate with you and you think it'll inspire someone else in your life, share it with them. You could make their day or even their week. I hope you enjoyed this episode and took as much out of it as I did. Teresa is an incredible woman and a leader that I think more people should follow because let's be honest, there aren't that many great leaders teaching the things that she's teaching and having the values and standpoint that she does. And I have personally worked in very toxic corporate environments and really hope that by the time my kids are in the workforce, which I do not have kids yet, but when I do, They are working in a far less toxic environment. And I think it starts with people like Teresa empowering and inspiring one leader at a time. And she's doing that phenomenally. So even if you don't have a business or you're not near close uh, at a time where you're building your team, follow her. You will gain so much insight. She hosts one-on-one intensives. um, She does VIP days and she does retreats as well as her online coaching program. And those are all things that I couldn't recommend more. So be sure to check it all out. Her links are on our show notes. And yeah, thanks for listening, friends. Until next time, with love and intention. Thank you.